Welcome back to Second Cup. It's me, your host, Tim Heller. My guest for today's episode is my friend and soon-to-be nemesis in the Get Mike UVOS grand finale voiceover competition, George Novick. George's bio was written by him, so I just want to read what he submitted as his bio. Again, these are not my words, but his. If bald baritones with tick disorders are not your cup of tea, today is a good day to switch windows back to that YouTube ASMR video of paint drying via wind generated by peacock feathers. George has been pretending to know stuff about voiceover, audio engineering, and session recording for something in the neighborhood of 20 years now, give or take seven days. When not looking for which end of a microphone to talk into, George works in the durable medical equipment field, lives on the side of a mountain, tries to write a blog, keeps up with his kids only by virtue that youth and enthusiasm will never beat age and treachery, Loves walks in the rain, Nintendo Switch, and the efflorescence that is the Pacific Northwest region. Well, that's a fucking bio if I ever read one. <laughs> I have nothing else to add to that except for top off your beverage, get comfy, and snuggle up for this episode of Second Cup with my friend George Novick. George Novick, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This has been long overdue. I probably Seriously. said your name. It's probably Novick. It is it Novick, yeah. There we go. Okay, great. Whew, all right. Um... How are you this morning? And thank you for being up early in uh, on the West Coast. Oh, man, I'm I'm doing great. I've actually been up since like five because I get the kids off to school and then I tinker around with social media algorithm feeding. And then usually I head off to the day job. But now I am here and I am super excited to get a chance to finally chat with you on Second Cup. Yes. Cheers. Or rather my third cup for the day oh nice only 10 40 in texas it's after your mug is incredible by the way (laughs) thank you yes there we go it was it was an impulse purchase that has served me very well although it's a pain in the butt to try and clean yeah i bet it has a lot of cracks and crevices yeah (laughs) 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 i'm taking that one to the bank great you can absolutely um so george for all the listeners, I'd love to get a quick intro, who you are, what you do, where you're at. Oh, let's see. Well, I'm George Novick. I am in the Seattle area. Specifically, I am in Issaquah, which is about 25, 30 minutes east of Seattle, up on Tiger Mountain, which is nice because we have deer and bears, but the bears aren't always so nice because they like to tip over the garbage cans. I have been doing voice acting related things for something in the neighborhood of 20 years Wow. And audio engineering in tandem with that. And that pretty much gets us to where we are today. I, did, I didn't know throughout all those years that there was like a community or an association or like all of these people that were involved in this and conventions and all of that stuff. So a lot of this is brand new to me in the last like year and a half. But outside of that, just like flying under the radar doing corporate and medical narration, the occasional commercial, the occasional game. And that's pretty much it. And now here we are. Here we are. I know it's wild. I yeah, I had a similar journey with the community side of VO and not, I have not been doing it, uh, nor do I have the expertise that you have. Uh, I haven't been doing as long, but it, I, I didn't know that there was such a vibrant community and such a supportive community until like two years into my journey. And by that time it was like, COVID was like a month after I found all these groups. And I was oh, like, oh man. well, shit. But <laughs> as long as you, as long as you find it, that's the important thing, you know? Right. And, it, and it, you find there's lots of different personalities, lots of different schools of thoughts on lots of different things and very few bad eggs. Uh, and you just kind of yeah. learn where, where you fit and, and what to, what your vibe is. Everybody has their role. And, and mine is more definitely, I feel like of a spectator, at least in the Facebook groups. 
And um, oh, yeah. I'm just trying to put myself out there in different ways as well, which is uh, something we both have done recently. Yeah. We are now, it is March 1st. In 22 days, we'll both be in Atlanta competing for the uh, Get Miked uh, UVOS grand finale. So congrats to you, sir. On, congrats on to you, sir. The, thank you. Thank you for, for winning the commercial and promo round. And, and I did the uh, animation gaming round somehow. Yeah. The judges had a... a massive lapse in judgment and put it seriously through the, i uh, grand finale here I'm, I'm assuming that my attempts to use the force actually worked because yeah. like <laughs> that night i screamed a nike logo and that must have been the tipper because like oh my <laughs> severe lapse in judgment um drunk off their butts i don't know what yeah yeah well and and i think all the listeners can hear you certainly don't have the voice for voiceover no i have the face for voiceover but that's oh about as good God. as it gets <laughs> Now, if you, if listeners have not watched George's auditions for this competition, you can go to getmikes.com and, and find your way to the, the auditions and everything. But you can tell George has an incredible <laughs> instrument, and it's just not fair. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking? Look so who's talking. I'm, I'm getting ready to get absolutely spanked in the commercial and promo round of this competition. No, 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 no. Every, like we said, everybody's got their place. So Yeah. I, I would strongly disagree given the fact that i have seen your work and all of your auditions and you definitely have a place in all you are probably well more well-rounded than i am for anything related to this so either way we're gonna go up there and have fun and hopefully put on a good show because apparently we're putting on a show and it's going to be live in front of like people and stuff yeah and it's also i have no idea what what it is but we're gonna have george back shortly after atlanta to so that we can kind of recap and be like what the fuck was that (laughs) (laughs) and oh my gosh it was a party so and and yeah i think we're we've we've talked offline about this and it's not i we're not worried about like the winning or the competition part it's just gonna be fun to be there with everybody and and for me personally i don't know about you but being able to actually be with a lot of these friends that we've made yeah over the past three years uh since covid and 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 meet them all for the first time in person yeah Um, so i think that's i'm just excited for that and to go learn new things and you know broaden our horizons yes gentlemen let's broaden our minds lawrence (laughs) oh showing our age showing our age so george i want to start with um your your day job and and the family uh, business that you had because this is something that I have recently become more privy to uh, through our conversations and exploring uh, your LinkedIn and your intake form and all that stuff and can you tell us a little bit about that and what that is just because I think that as I have stepped into an entrepreneurial and uh, role in my life and building different businesses and stuff like that I'd love to hear about the Novik family business. Wow. Okay. That that's a fun can. Let's see. My mother started her medical equipment business 50 years ago now, five zero, not 15. And it, it's kind of irreverently referred to as my older, less neglected sibling. But <laughs> just growing up, I, I remember putting stickers on literature, filling ditch holes with gravel and just kind of being around that business environment and not having any concept as a child of exactly the terror that my mother was going through when she was trying to keep this business running. Because if you think back, we as a nation don't necessarily have a great track record with women in business in, say, the 1970s or 80s or 90s or Or ever or ever. 
there there's a story that my mom likes to tell about the fact that she used to go to all the trade conventions and it was very well known that my mother was referred to as the ice queen because if you dare to put your hands on her oh you watch out that was the mentality of the 70s and 80s and i don't have any other words to describe the fact that in spite of that or maybe because of it, she continued to succeed and thrive and fall and get up and fall and get up and fall and get up, where a lot of her competitors went long by the wayside a long time ago. Which brings us to now. I started there full-time, wow, almost 13 years ago. I was in between. I used to. I used to fit in between jobs every now and again, and I'd help out mm-hmm. with stuff over there. But then, like thirteen years ago, after a layoff, um, I went over to help out because they were having some computer troubles. And the more I stayed there, the more I realized that there was enough work for me to do to keep me busy. And next thing I know, I'm spending every day working with my mom, my dad, my uncle, my grandmother, and my grandfather, and a couple of other people. And I've been there ever since. I've taken over a lot more responsibilities over the course of the last 13 years versus just tinkering with computers and trying to make an old mainframe accounting system work in Windows consistently. And and now um, I've taken over many of the responsibilities of my father after he passed away seven years ago. Several of the things my mother was doing are now under my purview, and I'm finding myself more and more and more in the position of what I'm finding myself in as far as voiceover is concerned, which is marketing, sales, promotion, networking. Oh my gosh. It, it's all the same. It doesn't matter the size of the business. It doesn't matter how many people. Yeah. We have 13 people, but it doesn't matter because, well, except for the fact that those 12 other people really rely on us to be good at what we do because their their livelihoods depend on it. So there's a little more pressure there versus the, the side business of voiceover where the only person really depending on that is me and maybe my kids. But yeah, it there's definitely pressure, but it's exciting. And my goal is to tr- just keep things going, make new connections, build new business relationships and see how much further beyond 50 years we can get. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you are, you answered a couple questions I had around like uh, around, just around like how did how is that experience translated into building your own yeah. uh, business, whether it's, you know, and when people want to get started in voiceover, I say you can it, there's room for everybody. If you want it to be a side hustle or if you want it to be your main thing, it just it, it, there's room for everybody. But so the other question I had was, how has it been with like, what's your experience been with running a family business and working with family? Because my brother and I just started accidentally at this digital marketing agency and creative consultancy. Mm-hmm. And it's and we've kind of like popped off for a second here. And everybody's like, oh, what is it like working your, with your brother? Like, is that like, is there competition or anything? And, and we don't have that as siblings, you know? And we have luckily like really strong communication. We're both addicts and have been through <laughs> the, all of the the things associated with it. And so it's... um. But what has your experience been with managing personalities and and family and all of that navigating? Oh, wow. that That's a question in there because most of the time, and I think like 97% of the time, everything runs smoothly because mm-hmm. we know what we're there to do. 
We know that people are relying on us. That the, the egos and the personalities tend to stay outside. And that's good. When my father was still with us, he and I knew how to push each other's buttons in, in <laughs> every conceivable way. And oh my goodness, would we go at it from time to time. But yeah, that was probably the closest thing I would say to a tense family dynamic from time to time. Most of the time, like 97% of the time, it just ran really smoothly because we're all in lockstep with keeping things running and trying to do all of the promotional things that we're supposed to be doing. So it's been nice. Working with your mother sometimes has its moments. Not gonna lie. <laughs> we, so we sometimes get on each other's nerves a little bit, and I think that's mm -hmm. understandable and expected to a certain extent. But there's also a tremendous amount of love and respect involved in that as well. So at the end of the day, we sometimes we just have bad days. Either she'll have a bad day, I'll have a bad day, we're both having a bad day, and we're going to go away that day, and we know that it's all going to be there waiting for us the next day as far as work is concerned, and then we just pick up where we left off, and things are generally a lot better the day after that. It's a small business, though. There is definitely stress that goes along with that, and especially where marketing and sales is concerned, you you just got to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it and fit in all of the yeah. actual day-to-day -day running things like monitoring the general ledger, making sure that accounts payable gets done, properly doing accounts receivable, balancing the check register, just all the little things that mm -hmm. I think to your point about people who want to get into voice acting as a side hustle, my advice to anybody who asks me about that is you can get into voice acting as a side hustle, but you have to put in full-time effort if you really want to get anything out of it yeah it is because you are you are running a one person business you are a solopreneur and i i feel like i've just graduated in the last two months now that it's march 1st the last two months of this year to like a like a true like building out a system of of you know building a team like uh julius and tara who are on like who are are producing this show and yeah. our editing team with Sarang and Auberth with Arai Productions and all of that. And then bringing in my brother to, to build all the little, you know, there's all these little, it feels like the last of us, the, uh, the mycelia of the, <laughs> <laughs> of the, uh, fungus and we're starting to grow and, and, and it's scary to let go of some of that control and to hand that over. But if it's people you trust and, and or family and in, in both of our instances, it makes it a little bit easier. But it is a lot it, you are doing when you first start out. It is wearing every single hat and sometimes they fall off or they start hurting your neck. And <laughs> that's when you got to bring on other people. Well, when I started actually trying to do serious promotion of this, I actually got in touch with Ann Ganguza and Gabby Nistico. Mm. And mm -hmm. I put together a web page because when you're doing this, now you're a web designer. And so I put together all this stuff. <laughs> And I, I bought into a package with them because I felt like they had the expertise to kind of make sure that I'm going on the right path. And they took a look at my materials. They listened to what I had to offer. They saw my website and they said, um, well, we really can't do anything to help you. We, we could refund you if you like. Like, <gasps> it was bad. It was bad. They weren't bad. Wait, they were it, awesome. Like I, my, I thought it was because your stuff was so good. No, <laughs> no, 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 like, no. Hell yeah, George. <laughs> no, my materials were very not in lockstep with 
what is required in this business. And I had no clue. Oh, I had man. no concept. Even though I had done some homework and looked at other web pages, I thought I was right on and ready to go. And I was very seriously not. So I said, hold that thought. Give me two weeks. And I took furious notes of everything that they were recommending. And I came back two weeks later and they said, wow, that is the fastest turnaround we've ever seen. Because I was bent and determined to not suck at the business side of it. So yeah. I felt pretty good after that, like I had actually accomplished things. And the website is as it was then. It's functional. It does the things that it's supposed to do. It's a good calling card. Now it has a blog attached to it for good or for ill. And it, it it's humming along. But it has, their advice was definitely critical to the business side of what we're doing. Yeah. And so on that business side of things and on the marketing and networking side, the other voice actors that we've had on here, because there's been several, um, I like to hear, like, what is your approach to marketing? What is your approach to networking and all of that? Because I, I have mine, I've tried a lot of different things and I've, I've learned that I hate a lot of them. And, uh, <laughs> Oh, and the rounds we could go on that one. Worked, worked really hard to get to a point where I, I am only doing the stuff that I like to do for the most part. There's, okay. there's, there's lots of things that, you know, will come up that I'm like, Ugh, I don't want, want to do that part of this running a business thing, but I, I know that I have to, or I'll find a different way to make it fun for myself. But how do you approach everything? How, how did you, this will be two parts. All right. How did you first approach it? And what are you doing now that works better? So how I first approached it was with sheer and utter terror and just the whole concept and idea of the fact that I needed to be self-promotional, which was completely outside of my of every fiber of my being. I had no interest in being like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like just being over the top self-promoting, mm -hmm. borderline arrogant, or however you want to put it, just whatever gene is necessary to get my name and my voice and my image and branding, whatever term you want to use out there to people who might be interested in utilizing that service. And ultimately what really, really helped out was getting mixed up with my clubhouse co-hosts, Rochelle Simpson and Megan Selke. Which because, I want to dive into in a minute here too. Oh, okay. Because of, I, I say this jokingly, but it's very, very serious that I am riding their coattails into some semblance of success. And what I mean by that <laughs> is it's not necessarily just because I'm following in their wake because they are two of the most astounding and amazing human beings I will ever, ever, ever know. But it's their influence and their tenacity and ex the example that they set and the the fact that we get together and we can bounce ideas around and the more they talk about what they're doing the more it inspires me and the more it inspires me the less the fewer misgivings I have about the things that are necessary to promote what it is that I am offering as a service so that brings it into a position where now I feel far less awful about doing things like cold calls. I made my first cold call in 2022 because of Rochelle nagging me about it. She's like, you're going to make one cold call. And I'm like, you're going to make a cold call. 
and I made the cold <laughs> and I left a voice message. But like, in fact, every cold call I made in 2022 was a voice message, but it was good practice. And the first one was terrible. I didn't really know exactly what I was going to say. And so I, I got lucky. I was able to hit the number three and restart and and furiously type something out in advance. But their influence made it possible for me to feel much more comfortable with cold calling, with emailing, with just face-to-face -face networking. Now that face-to-face -face networking is kind of a thing again versus what it's been for the last yeah. few years. And their influence on me has made it possible for me to make some of the connections that I have made that otherwise wouldn't have even dreamed of. Yeah. Well, and that's such a beautiful example of what we were talking about earlier of this, this aspect of community in any industry and just being able to find that like your several circles of community, you have that, the wide net of like level three, we'll call it. And then you've got your level two people that are a little bit closer in there. And then you've got your like tight knit, like real support ride or die team. And that's such a beautiful, I don't know. I just love that story of like, of that, like Rochelle was like really pushing you to her episode just came out today of second cup. Um, oh, I can't wait to because see I got overwhelmed and didn't have the capacity to edit as fast <laughs> as I'd like to when she came on a couple months ago, but thanks to Julius, George or Julius, Tara, uh, Sarang and Aubert. Then, and now we've got the whole, everybody coming out, nice. but it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's so important to have those people that are going to push you to do different things, whether it's like I've recently with this marketing thing, like having clients push me to do other things and saying, hey, like we love working with you. Will you also produce video? Do you also um, do creative consulting? Can you like do remote production? Can you do all this stuff? And I'm just like, yeah, and you just figure it out and, and, and make it happen. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to touch on too was just getting those reps in of doing something uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. This has been something that's come up a couple times uh, for me recently with um, the company that we're helping out with a lot of messaging and stuff like that, and and coaching other people on how to, you know, saying that like on, on how to produce their own content and stuff like that, and whether it's producing your own content, making cold calls, uh, making pancakes even or waffles, even better yet. Uh, <laughs> is you just got to get those reps in. It's yeah. going to, what Brene Brown calls the the FFTs, fucking first times or first fucking times, whatever <laughs> yes. it is. And it's, and it just is such a good reminder to just kind of laugh and, and know that when you step into a new situation, it's probably going to suck and you're probably going to suck. And if you go in knowing that, that it's just the first step forward in something, you just got to get those reps in. You just got to practice and fail forward. It makes it so much less daunting. Oh my gosh. At least yes. it has for me. Um, but yeah, I love, uh, have you continued with your cold calls? I have to a, to a certain extent. I, it kind of leveled off over the course of the last few months because other priorities have been falling yeah. into place. And so it's just a matter of the, the juggling and the balance act. My, my follow through is probably the least awesome thing that I am about. I am not mm -hmm. good at that. And that's one of my goals for this year is to take those, uh, what was it? FF, um, FFTs, FFTs in building a follow-up strategy because mm. and any marketer is going to tell you that the average number of touches, even for those people who don't like to be touched is going to be about seven. And the only way to get to seven is to get to two and three and four and five and six yep. and seven and eight and nine and 10 and, and all that. And that requires a follow-through, a follow-up strategy and a follow-through strategy. So yeah, that's one of my goals for this year. Um, praying for fewer miracles and more just 
tenacity and hitting the streets. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Praying for fewer miracles and more opportunities that you create. I love that. Yeah. That's something that definitely when I came out of college, I was like, I had this mindset of I'm going to, you know, things are going to line it, line up for me. People have told me things are going to line up. I'm not going to have any issues. Mm -hmm. And I may, you know, I mean, I was young and I wanted to, I wanted all of that to work. And I wanted those opportunities to come to me and they, and some, some did and some most did not. Mm -hmm. And I've, you have to go out and build it yourself. You have to, like, nobody's going to hand you the life that you want to have. You have to go make it for yourself. How much of your life is built around, or how much of your career and life is built around the fact that you said yes to something that you knew nothing about and then figured it out later? 100% of it. 100%. Yep. And it, and with voiceover, it was just saying yes to doing a class because I had enough people say like, you need to, <laughs> you need to go take a class and, and learn about this, you know, and it ended up kind of, you know, saving, not saving my life, but it, it saved my brain and, and created the life that we have now with the back issues I had and all of that stuff that led to a huge pivot. Yeah. But yeah. So speaking of pivots, let's yeah. talk about waffles. Yes. Um, so for those of you just listening on audio, you're missing out on George's beautiful shirts and there are waffle keychains all over his booth. So check it out on YouTube or Spotify <laughs> to watch all the videos. Uh, but tell me about uh, what are these waffles? How are they spawned? And who is involved in the making of them? I mean, aside from the fact that waffles are the most generous breakfast food because they give you little pockets to hold things like butter and syrup and whipped cream and strawberries. Waffles like are the cargo shorts of breakfast. <laughs> I'm gonna have that. I'm gonna have to pass that back on to Megan and Rochelle. The cargo I know, shorts. Yeah, breakfast. they're gonna hate me so much. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> no, it and and so it it goes back to the tail end of 21, shortly after Rochelle and I had connected, and I said, "Hey, you know what would be fun if we put together a clubhouse room for voice actors who are either full time or part time, where they don't have to be on, where mm. they can like." let their hair down if they have any or just be there and hang out and not feel any pressure to do anything performative because at the time the vast majority of the clubhouse rooms that had anything to do with voice acting were usually because there was a producer or a casting director or somebody or an agent or someone of some form of influence and everybody was getting into that room because they probably wanted to perform for this person in the hopes of getting booked or hired or signed and there was always pressure, always pressure, always pressure. And so my vision for that at the time, loose vision, was partner up with somebody, start a room, make it fun, and zero pressure. And what ultimately ended up happening was we started in January of 22. We figured we're going to do this for January. It'll be fun. A couple of people will show up. We'll laugh a lot. And then that'll be the end of it. And I think it was within the, like the first two episodes that we absorbed Megan because she's just amazing. She is the quickest, sharpest, funniest wit of any human being I have ever met. Hands down, like no way, no one can top her on that. And what ended up happening was is people kept coming back and we kept coming up with weird themes and once a month, we do a game day at the end of the month, and we just kept coming up with more themes, more themes, more themes. Is it close to tax time? Let's talk about taxes as business people. What are we, what are we doing? 
What yeah. can we do as a topic to share with each other all of the stuff that we're doing? Sometimes we do fun reads. Sometimes uh, we did one week where everybody kept talking about the fact that they're not entirely sure how to describe their voices on their websites for their branding. Like, yeah. is it warm? Is it comforting? Is it neighborly? Is it aggressive? Is it authoritative? Whatever. So we, we set up a thing where um, people would talk for a minute. And then everybody in the chat would write down all of the descriptive words that they heard from like a, an objective third party perspective. And everybody loved it because now they had like these adjectives to hmm. talk about themselves that they ne may not necessarily have been comfortable coming up with on their own. And so we just like doing stuff like that. We're having more guests now than we did last year. And that's been an interesting experience because uh, we had Nick Redman recently talking about vocal health because vocal health is like at the crux of everything we're trying to do. We had Tom Antonellis do a short um, dialects workshop, which turned fun. out to be a boatload of fun. We had Sam Liu on recently because funny story Rochelle is a networking ninja there is mm -hmm. no question about it she saw him peek into our room at one point and he he's involved in a lot of the art with like dc stuff dc animations mm -hmm. he's won an award for that okay. kind of thing and and so immediately after she saw him she sent out a connection request and they chatted for a while and then she invited him onto the show and he's like yeah sure that'd be fun and he turned out to be one of the most insightful guests we have ever seen because he was zero filter and he told everything like it is at Warner Brothers. And some of the things I hope he doesn't get in trouble for saying, but <laughs> his experience and his background in, and he does have experience working with voice actors in that role. So his perspective was very, very unique. And one of the things that we appreciated about the fact is that he doesn't do hiring. He's not the casting director. He's the guy who's going to work with the actors after the fact. So thankfully our core group of people aren't the kind of people who are going to like stalk our guests if they feel like yeah. there's a business opportunity out there boom linkedin connection boom email yeah yeah the what's the term i keep hearing the pitch slap um yeah <laughs> I, I hear that a lot but yeah rochelle oh, is responsible i, for I used most to do that guests. too i oh, used really? to do that it was awful yeah i mean it was i didn't know any better i was just like the world shut down and i was like boom i took like a, a free 20 minute direct marketing course through voice actors of new york city mm -hmm. and just set out and sent a bunch of really cringy emails and some of it worked right and you you build these genuine connections through that but i learned like every time i sent it i hated it and i was like ah this is stupid or i'd like misspell the company name or, or send it to the wrong person or oh, whatever no. that is and it's awful but like it happens and you move on and, and you learn from it. But oh, yeah, yeah totally. Pitch slap is. Yep. I've had people start to do that to me now, too. I'll make a post about like I post about a project coming out and somebody says, oh, cool. Who's the casting director? Who's the studio? And it's like, really? We don't have that relationship. Yeah. No. You know, and if we did, then you wouldn't post it on on the post. You'd be like, hey, like I saw this. Like if you said that or like I had lunch with another friend uh, who's in, visiting in town and he, he asked me about that. And I was like, yeah, like if you were to ask me that, it'd be fine. Like we have that rapport of like, let's share the wealth. But if you yeah. you got to put in the work to develop those relationships. But imagine back to Rochelle, the, the yeah. networking ninja, the networking ninja. Most of our guests are the result of her just 
zero fear networking. It, and again, her example is why I'm in the position that I'm in now and doing some of the mm. things that I'm doing. And I have less fear about everything that I am doing now just by virtue of being around her. And we've had a lot of fun too. Like we, we did our version of Madonna's Take a Bow as a fun side project where she <laughs> sang and we talked about it in December of 21. And she's like, yeah, let's do Take a Bow. I'm like, okay, great. I've been dying to try to recreate a backing track from scratch. And that's a good one to work on. It took me months, but it was <laughs> worth every moment because I really learned a lot about that track and deconstructing Babyface's mm -hmm. creative process. So I learned a ton from it, and the song was a lot of fun. Um, and then that led to a music video covering an Andrew Gold song. And now I'm in this weird niche where, you know how everybody talks about the fact that every voice actor has something that is unique to them and only them that mm -hmm. allows them to maybe stand apart a little bit. I do these really bizarre barbershop quartet videos because I've been singing barbershop since like 2000. And when the pandemic hit- I didn't hit, know this. What? Oh my gosh. How I see your stuff like every day. I don't know how I haven't seen that. Ooh. And it's funny because I'm about, I'm releasing one today too, which Are is probably going to get me kicked off of every platform. But, um, it, basically, when the lockdowns happened, and it was, and it turned out that singing was one of the fastest way to spread germs and disease. All the choruses and quartets just <laughs> shut down for like two okay. years, and so I needed that fix because I, at the core of everything that is every fiber of my being, am a musician, and I needed those tight harmony fixes that make all the hair on my body stand up on end. So I just started singing with myself and, and I decided, Hey, wouldn't it be fun if I made a video out of it? So I like made a four corner video and I dump them on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. I finally grew a pair and started posting them on LinkedIn, which was terrifying and Facebook because on LinkedIn and Facebook, I am associated with a lot of very good singers and I would call myself a middling average singer. So okay. I had a lot of terror about, exposing that side to people who are who are very very skilled as singers and yeah. and and again it's your FFT the more you do it the more comfortable you get up until today I don't know when this is going to air but by the time this airs um the video that I'm putting out today in fact you're going to be the first person who knows about it outside of Rochelle and my wife I covered a Sam Smith song called Unholy oh yeah I arranged a quartet barbershop style version of a chunk of it. And that is going to come out today. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it, it's, it's, I had never heard of the song and it was Rochelle's idea. She basically triple dog dared me to do it. And so I'm, yeah. I'm looking through the lyrics and listening to the song. These words. So the juxtaposition. That's what I was thinking. This wholesome, <laughs> this wholesome genre of music meeting this like down and dirty sexy song I, i'm here for it i cannot wait we might have to end this interview early so you can post it so i can yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i still have to write all the text and figure out how to do proper hashtagging and i i am not a social media whiz by any stretch so i'm still doing a little bit of homework on that but it'll probably come out let's see it's 9 16 pacific right now probably in the next couple of hours. So yeah, anybody who nice. sees this, is it's already going to be out there. And all six of you who enjoyed it, thank you. I appreciate you very much. <laughs> oh, 
please. Um, so that's awesome. I love what you guys are doing with your with your clubhouse uh, chats. I think that's such a, a, a beautiful way to give back to the community and can both dual purpose is to give back to the community and build community. And it's, yes. I know that there are a lot of people out there who, you know, again, there's lots of strong personalities uh, in the business, but it's, I think it's so important to have a safe space for people who are at any point in their journey. But it sounds like with the workshops that you're doing, I'm like, how to describe your voice. It's, it's really serving those people who are just like curious about getting into it or are at like in the first like one to two years of their journey. Yeah. And to have a safe space to go ask those questions and, and this, I don't know. I just, I really think it's important that it's really important what you guys are doing, what y'all are doing. We finally had to write a mission statement because we're approaching more guests to come on the show. Like we've got one that we're super excited about. That's coming up soon. We have um, a, a game audio producer by the name of Alexander Brandon. Like nobody knows we've talked to him. He's an old, old friend of mine. And and I thought, Hey, wouldn't it be fun? Mm. And he agreed to do it. So he's coming up like, not the typical guests that you would expect in in the circle. We like to look outside of that, but we needed a mission statement because we're approaching these people and we thought it was important for them to kind of know what we're all about, especially for people who may have services that they use or, or are promoting. We are very, very passionate about the fact that our clubhouse room is service for the sake of service and completely and totally free of pitch slappery is what we wrote in the in the language of it because it i we feel that any effort to compromise that makes the room less safe i guess for lack of a better description like there are things that i do that i will never talk about in that clubhouse room because i don't want people to think that i am there to promote a service i absolutely do not want anyone to know about that if they want to talk to me about something offline or whatever, or if they've got questions, I'm always happy to answer them. I, I answer so many technical questions. It's not even funny. And I love it because I feel like all these decades of audio experience are finally being of use to somebody. But yeah, we are very, very passionate about making certain that nobody feels sold to in our room, either by guests or by us or each other. And that mm-hmm. has, I think that has come across to everybody who is there. And I think that has served us really, really well because it's important to us to be able to give back from a genuine place of actually giving back as opposed to, as opposed to, I talk for a living sometimes, as opposed to um, using it as a harvesting mechanism, I guess is a really kind of crass way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds very Um. (laughs) sci-fi. Uh, ooh, that was good. Oh, thank you. Um, so the last last question I had for you yeah. is: you put on your in intake form like navigating having a tick disorder growing up and yes. and in in work, and I would love to hear you just kind of chew on some of that with me uh, and how that's what your experience has been because you've been ticking a little bit, yeah, but it doesn't affect like it's not distracting at least to me and i want to know what it's been like in like what it's like for you to experience that and how you've navigated all of that and whatever you're willing to share about it i know on your form you said you're just like nothing is off the table in all caps let's party and i'm like yeah let's go yeah anything i i'm an open book tick disorder and of course full disclosure the more i talk about it the more it's going to manifest itself so just 
Okay. Fair warning, if I'm jerking my head around, it's not because of anything you said. And if I'm rolling my eyes, it's not at you. And if I curse, it's on purpose. So I have Tourette <laughs> syndrome. And I got diagnosed with that when I was a sixth grader. And it was a few years before we had any idea why I was jerking around like a crazy person and making these weird noises. We just thought it was weird. And so we have finally had a name for it. But like, so what? Now we've got a name for this thing, but we don't know what to do about it. We don't know how to, there's no real treatment for it. It's a tick disorder and it involves physical and vocal tics. So as a child, it was distracting. It was the kind of thing that got me thrown out of classes. It was the kind of thing that, mm. oh, I hate saying this out loud. It was the kind of thing that got me beat up on a daily basis because I was different and I was kind okay. of a freak and it definitely built character. What I will say <laughs> is two things. One, I discovered that music was my only refuge from the ticks as a child. Mm. I was taking piano lessons and eventually electric. I, I picked up electric bass and violin and guitar. And being in a position to be playing music, especially piano, the ticks would just vanish for the duration of mm. like a song. So like Moonlight Sonata is still one of my favorite songs to play because for the entire duration of that song, I'm tick free. There's nothing going on. Wow. It uses so much brain power to do music that there isn't anything left for the ticks to absorb onto. So what it did though, was I found out eventually that being funny and having a sense of humor and being self-deprecating was a really good way to beat the other kids to the punchline. And if I could yeah. make them laugh, then they probably wouldn't hurt me. So that worked really, really well as far as life skills go. <laughs> I'm going to cry. I'm like, no, 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 no. no it, I'm not actually going to cry, but I like, and it's not out of pity, but it's, it's like, it's just like, it's sad that I, I can empathize. Not, not that I had ticked. I was just weird. You know, like, I just felt out of <laughs> place i felt other than and and a lot of that like a lot of that i did to myself in terms of like just like feeling that way and and feeling writing other people's scripts for them which i had no other i had no business doing but um yeah but finding that humor and that self-deprecation yeah. and all of that beating them to the punch literally mm -hmm. and figuratively yep um is yeah i i feel that as far as what that means for me now um obviously on camera work is off the table because <laughs> nobody needs that um, like even people who are cast as Tourette's people on TV generally don't have Tourette's and they're doing an approximation of what they think is supposed to happen as opposed to what's actually supposed to happen. But that makes sense to me. It's not offensive in any way because in a television production environment, everything needs to be very carefully crafted and somebody who's jerking around and getting off mic or getting away from the boom or whatever it happens to be is going to interrupt the production schedule. Now, if you're doing something on purpose for that, that's another matter entirely, like documentaries or whatever, that's great. But if you're doing like an episodic program of some kind and you have a character with Tourette's, you've got to be able to have some kind of control over that. So like in, in interviews like this, for example, usually I concentrate very, very carefully on controlling it as much as possible. Of course, mm -hmm. I'm talking about it now. So like, it's just off, it, it's getting off the rails and, and, and it'll be amazing by the time the camera goes off. But what I find is that singing is the same thing. Acting is the same thing. I can control them when I'm narrating something or I can control them when I'm singing a part for a video or something. And then it's in between the lines or when I'm taking a breath that will just jerk around like crazy and then it's back to what I'm doing. So hmm. it, there's some degree of brain synapses. I don't have many of them. And so the ones that I need to act are going to 
absorb <laughs> everything that's there, and so I won't be ticking as much. But in between, they're just off the rails because they've been suppressed for a period of time, and, and they need to get out somehow. Yeah. I mean, if... So, I mean, if, if people who are, who are listening to this are, are only listening to this, not watching it, I would be hard-pressed to find anybody who could tell that you were ticking throughout any of this. because, And it's I think it's wildly impressive. Uh, do you know who Louis Capaldi is? I know the, the name. Singer? He's a British uh, singer-songwriter, and he's kind of been blowing up recently. But he, he also has Tourette's, and he ticks. And, I mean, he'll tick in concerts and, and all of that stuff. But you would you learn how to navigate those things that are in your way or, or not even really in your way. I feel, I don't feel like that's appropriate to say, but that are just part of, part of your day to day. And yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. Billie it's, Eilish is an example of someone who came out as having Tourette's recently. And I thought that was fascinating because really, yeah. What I, what I have discovered over the years of meeting with other Tourette's people outside of the fact of if you meet with someone with Tourette's chances are, you're going to absorb their ticks and like trade them off. It's like osmosis or Bluetooth. Um, like every time I meet someone with Tourette's and they have a tick that isn't mine, I will walk away with their tick and it'll last for oh, about a no. week and a half. It's, it's amazing. Um, so people with tick disorders tend to lean creative. And mm -hmm. I thought I was just freakish. I was right. But also because <laughs> of that, it has given me opportunity. I hate to say this, but having what is categorized as a disability has actually made me a person who can have opportunities that maybe other people might not have. I have an aptitude mm. to music. I hate admitting that in public and you can cut that later if you want to, but I, I am drawn to music. I live and breathe it. And I think it's because of the fact that I have a tick disorder that kind of puts me in that brain area regularly where music makes sense to me and it's like breathing air and a yeah. lot of Tourette's people are very very creative yeah I feel like it's and and also uh more apt for athletics too you know like Tim Howard yeah uh, is one of my favorite goalkeepers of all time and when he played for Everton and like he he's been very vocal about having Tourette's and and uh and a tick disorder uh and <laughs> he, he fully embraced it and so did the fans his chant was whenever he made a save have you heard this before i haven't no of what it was oh my god they say it's tim timoney tim timoney tim tim taru we have tim howard and he says fuck you <laughs> i love and it always, isn't it insane he has this and then he just kind of like it's like in the in the mode and then they do that cheer and he just gets a little like like a little smirk on his face. That is astounding. I love yeah. that. Now that's a whole nother level of owning, owning your full self. And I think that it's important that, I mean, the way that you've done it and, and everybody hopefully can, can get to that point that you and, and Tim Howard have. Oh my gosh. To. That's amazing. Yeah. Only 5% of Tourette's people have uncontrollable cursing. And it's interesting because if you, there, there was an Irish guy who has Tourette's and he would make YouTube videos and cursing was one of his, one of the components of his Tourette's experience. But what I learned over the years is that the tics, vocal and otherwise, generally speaking, are things that are socially unacceptable. And the conclusion I finally drew from that was because I watched his videos. All of his curse words are local dialect. Some of them don't even make hmm. sense to us, but they are all words that are offensive in his region. And so as I looked around, I would see like, like 
like what you were talking about with, with the goalkeeper. Those are words that are offensive in his language. For a Russian with Tourette's, they're going to be using Russian words for all of those things. But whatever it is, it's something that's socially unacceptable. Twitching and jerking is socially unacceptable. Those words are socially unacceptable. And it's almost like the, I don't want to say disorder because that's not the right word for it. But it's almost like the experience of Tourette's thrives on things that are different, wrong, outside of the norm. Mm. Um, I don't know how much of this is for anybody else, but I know in a lot of cases, if something hurts for me, um, a tick will develop that will exacerbate it. So for example, if I get, mm. if I develop a headache, the head jerking will just get worse and worse and worse and worse until I can finally grab a bottle of Advil and just go for it. And then eventually the Advil will make the headache go away. And then the ticks will subside a little bit. Wow. Um, I will say that Tourette's is responsible for getting a neck disc replacement because when you use your neck in ways that it's not designed to be used over and over and over and over and over and over and over again over the course of decades, um, things wear out. So I've already had one disc replaced. I might be looking at another one coming up. Yeah. And I'm not looking forward to that because they go in through the front to replace the disc in the back. And it took yeah. me two years to recover my vocal range after that. So, um, Oh my gosh, George. I have some decisions to make. I, it's possible that they'll say, well, why don't we just do fusion? I don't know if you know anything about neck fusion or not, but uh, I, I do with lower back. So I okay, actually yeah. had, so I've had two lower back surgeries before my one that I had in 2021, where they replaced, they went through my stomach mm -hmm. and replaced uh, L4, five and they fused L5 S1. And that wow. it's the first time I've been pain-free in 11 years. So, oh, thank God. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> very familiar with the, with that fusion and, and, uh, ADR there. So a different kind of ADR, right. Uh, than what we're usually used to in the VO world. But that's why they go through the front because it's softer tissue. The, the muscles in yes. the back and the neck are so tight that they're the damage that they would do to get in there in the first place is. Yeah. And the way that the vertebrae are shaped with the interlocking and all exactly. of that. So it's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. That's ongoing. So we'll let, to be continued on that front. Stay tuned folks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well george thank you for talking about everything that you've spoken about with such candor and uh i just appreciate you and i appreciate the the friendship that we've developed uh, however brief it's been over the past six months it's just it's been lovely and i can't wait to see you in person in atlanta and uh, i've got two quick things that we need to check off our list before i cut you loose for the rest of the day got it um where can people find you and your clubhouse group and everything that you have going on let's see to find me it's my website, probably it's georgenovic.com. The W is pronounced like a V because I'm an Eastern European mutt. And then as far as Clubhouse is concerned, I post about it at least twice a week because it's Clubhouse. So the link changes constantly. Um, mm. We're under Rick Party's voiceover house, I think is the right word for it. For someone who's been using okay. Clubhouse for well over a year, I know very little about the platform. <laughs> we'll include all the links. We'll, yeah. we'll include what links and, and, and info we can in the episode description to make sure that it's easy to find people. And what's your what are your handles on social media where people can find uh, LinkedIn, it's my name, George Novick. Uh, Facebook, my name, George Novick. For Twitter, it's it's a long story that you don't want to go into. But on Twitter, it's Great. Nalrog. Uh, Instagram and uh uh, Instagram and TikTok are variations of the Nalrog name. And th those Great. are the places where you're probably going to find more of my silly quartet videos. Because, again, I had misgivings at one point. Great. I love it. <laughs> uh, all right. So final thing is we've got some quick fire questions right. for you. For you. Um, 
Uh, just quick one to two word answers, whatever's top of mind. Try not to think as much as possible. Uh, what's a nickname that you had growing up? Norg. Norg. Who inspires you right now? Rochelle and Megan. What's a piece of content you can't get enough of? It can be a book, TV show, uh, album, whatever. Television show, Letter Kenny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gotta love them. Uh, last question is, you can only have pizza one last time. There are no dietary destructions afterwards if you're allergic to anything. Uh, where from and what's on it? Where from? New York. Probably, like, three Italian guys who run a small pizza joint because you know it's going to be the best. On it is going to be cheese and red sauce and thin sliced garlic, pepperoni, pineapples, black olives, Italian sausage. And if I'm feeling really saucy, it'll be mandarin oranges. Mandarin oranges? There, that is a first, but I'll, I am open. There was a... <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a pizza place out here that used to do a variation on Hawaiian. So you'd get pineapple and Canadian bacon. They call it ham up north of the border, which is weird because I don't know what they call ham. But they also added bacon, <laughs> breakfast bacon, and mandarin oranges. And okay, it was beautiful. I'm gonna have to seek this out. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna seek this out and, and do some reconnaissance work. Absolutely, maybe worth it. maybe find a slice in Atlanta for us to yes! uh, experience together. If we have to get a jar of our own mandarin oranges, we're doing this. <laughs> we'll be those guys. At yeah, these fucking weirdos with the mandarin oranges. Are we allowed pizza? to bring our own food in here? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> George Novick, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm glad we finally made this work, and the, and uh, I'm excited to see you in Atlanta and to have you back on for a recap of the whirlwind of uh, of those 72 hours together. It's going to be amazing. I'm so looking forward to meeting you in person and getting to share a stage with your greatness, and it's going to be Likewise. such a blast. It is. It's going to be a blast. George, I will talk to you soon. Definitely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Cup with my friend and nemesis, George Novick. Keep track of everything that George has going on. He's got a lot going on that you'll want to keep track of. You can find him in a couple of different places. You can follow him on LinkedIn at George Novick. You can go to his website, georgenovick.com, or follow him on Instagram at nalrogftw, N-A-L-R-O-G-F-T-W. As always, a huge shout-out to my Second Cup team and family, Julia Shepard-Morgan, Tara Seuss, Sarang Sharma, and Aubert Thurston. As I mentioned in the episode, George will be back on Second Cup after the VOA conference. So now is a better time than ever to make sure that you like, subscribe, share, follow, all that good stuff to make sure that you stay on top of the episodes of Second Cup. Until next time, I'm Tim Heller signing off. Bye.